Hi everyone, this is Matt Price, host of Dynasty Game Night. My co-host John Bosch and I created this podcast for one reason, to focus on fun. After all, fun is the reason we all started playing fantasy football in the first place. I love games of all sorts, card games, board games, video games, really any kind of game you can think of. So one day, John and I decided it was time for a podcast where we just play games. You might learn something along the way, but you won't find much hard-hitting analysis here. Check out all the other incredible podcasts DLF has to offer for that sort of thing. On Dynasty Game Night, our primary focus is to entertain. So if you like playing games or watching game shows, this might just be the podcast for you. We'd love for you to give it a listen and play along with the contestants and maybe even win a chance to be on the show. Listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off season. Welcome to another edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I'm Dan Myler. With me, Matt Price and Ryan McDowell. You guys, we've been doing this series, the Dynasty Rookie Draft Do-Over, and we went back uh, maybe a little farther than we wanted to because we covered some some classes that didn't have a lot of a lot of talent beyond the top uh, handful of picks. This week we get to 2018, though, and there's a lot of talent here, Ryan. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, making my list before uh, before the show got down to the end. We're doing two rounds of, of rookie draft redos here, do overs, and I left out some talented players. I'm sure you guys did too. It was it was a tough choice, especially uh, later in the in the second round and really trying to take what you what you've seen from these players the past two seasons mixed with your expectations for the future it was tough to do that yeah tough to do that at the end and even tough to do at the beginning as we as we start this thing off it there's just so much talent at the top uh some tough decisions to make no doubt but we'll we'll wait just a minute on that uh as we have Every week throughout this uh, series, we're we're doing super flex. We're doing a couple rounds to twenty four picks. This week, I drew the number one pick, followed by Ryan, then Matt. Matt, tell me about your process putting this list together. Uh, pretty difficult at some stages. Yeah, uh, at the top especially, <clears throat> it's going to be interesting. We, we've had a little bit of differences in our rankings and our tiers uh, throughout the show, and I, I feel like this one is going to be another one uh, because of the super flex format. There's a couple of you know quarterbacks that are you know not necessarily at the top of our super flex list, so it'll be interesting to see where those guys go uh, in, in re- relative to the running backs and wide receivers at the top. Yeah, so as I said, super flex, 24 players, starts with me, then Ryan, then Matt. Uh, and just to remind our listeners of what class we're talking about, it is the 2018 class that led off. There were 11 skill position players in the first round of that NFL draft, and it started off with Baker Mayfield, Saquon Barkley, and Sam Darnold. So that should give you an idea about the players we're talking about you can follow along and let us know if we we make any mistakes as we move along throughout so i'm going to kick this thing off at the top uh since this thing is super flex i'm going with lamar guys i want the guy that can win you the league i know you could say the same about saquon barkley but in these super flex leagues considering the the length of these guys' careers 
Uh, it's a close call for sure. I just think the production, I, I know we, we didn't get anything as a rookie out of Lamar Jackson, but the, the extended production over his career, we're looking at 10 plus years of being, be, being under center and being in your starting lineup as dynasty owners. I'm taking Lamar, but it's close. Yeah, I agree. It's close. And, uh, the, the conversation between Barkley and Lamar Jackson is, is really similar to the one we had last week with Patrick Mahomes and Christian McCaffrey. And, and those four basically making up uh, the, the top four assets in a Dynasty Superflex league right now. So, um, yeah, you can, you can argue running back versus quarterback. I think the, the longevity, the career arc is the, certainly the, the big boost in favor of the quarterbacks. And we saw Lamar's breakout year. Last year, uh, I think I think that's probably the pick. It, it is a tough call, though. Matt, I'm interested to hearing your thoughts on it. Would you have gone Barkley? No, I would have definitely taken Lamar Jackson. It, it, they've been one. Mahomes and Jackson have been one two for me in Superflex startups this year, and I don't think I could go away from that. Uh, even with with Barkley on the board there, although I do think there is a little bit of a different argument with with Lamar Jackson and, and Patrick Mahomes, you know, in terms of longevity. With Jackson, you know, <laughs> rushing for a thousand yards uh, maybe every season until he gets hurt, so uh, there's a little bit more of an injury risk for him in terms of length of career necessarily. But while you got him, you know, he's he's one of those league winner type guys, so he, he, he probably still has a longer shelf life than your average running back. But uh, you know, a little bit more of a question, I think. Yeah, we're comparing him to Saquon Barkley here, who is not your average running back, of course. Right. And I know that's not what you meant, Matt. <laughs> uh, but I think this made it made it a pretty easy pick for you, Ryan, at the second overall pick. Yeah, for sure. Of course, taking Barkley here, uh, he's he's already been valued as as the overall uh, play uh, top overall player in Dynasty, and uh, according to our uh, Superflex, I'm sorry, according to our Dynasty ADP. Of course, has been the RB1 uh, a few months and has, has now fallen to two behind McCaffrey. Uh, I mean, there's there's not really much to say about Barkley at this point. We, we've seen what he is. We we really just hope he, he stays healthy. He had a little dip last year, but uh, he's he's been a top 12 scorer in 62% of his games already through two seasons uh, and and is the top overall scorer in this class. Uh, ahead of slightly ahead of Lamar uh, since he sat out part of his his rookie year but uh, yeah I'll go Barkley at two so it starts off kind of I guess as all three of us would have gone Lamar Jackson then Saquon Barkley Matt this is a really intriguing pick because there's a few different ways to go luckily you have two picks at three and four however yeah, I, it was, seemed like a clear top two uh, in, the, in, the, in the first tier in this class for me with Lamar and Saquon. And now I have, I don't know about you guys, but I have five players in this tier. So uh, there's there's a, a huge drop off at, at running back. So I think my first pick here at this turn has to be Nick Chubb. Uh, you know, we thought that this was going to be a super strong class, but some, some news recently has changed that. Uh, maybe not changed it because of injury history and all that for Darius Geis, but certainly some news is recently has has basically destroyed that. So the drop from the from Chubb to the next running back in in this particular class uh, lends me to pick him. You know, th- nearly a thousand yards in his first season, despite only starting nine games, and then last season nearly fifteen hundred yards rushing. Certainly, the the PPR upside has fallen off with Kareem Hunt there, and we saw that the second half of the 2019 season um but you know he's not going to be playing with kareem hunt forever and i think he's proven that he can catch the ball in the 30 to 40 
you know, reception per year. He had 36 last year, even with Hunt taking all that in the second half. So Chubb here with my first pick. And then the second one, there's a, there's a bunch of good receivers here. <clears throat> And uh, I kind of wanted to just, uh, you know, poke the knife at Dan and and take his guy. But there's a guy – there's one guy I like a little bit more, and I'll go ahead and take DJ Moore with the the second pick here at this turn. Uh, We know the story with him, you know, really came on as a rookie, especially in the second half, and then last year just kind of took off. Uh, Touchdown receptions, you know, uh, hasn't really come yet, but he could be among the league leaders in 2020 and going forward in terms of targets. So hopefully that touchdown number comes up too. Uh, So Chubb and – DJ Moore at the turn here for me. I like those picks, Matt. Uh, Chubb, I like the case that you made that the really out of this class, if we were really flashing back and you needed a running back, you better get Chubb there or or you're, you may not see one. Uh, that's an intriguing kind of philosophy or a strategy to look at. I, I, I never really look at this that way. And, and I know when you were on the clock at three, you weren't, you weren't thinking to yourself, well, I have three and four, so I can do what <laughs> I want. If you only had three, that made it, that made it an interesting decision from that perspective. Uh, Ryan, you got another pick here at five. What do you got here? Yeah, this is a tough one as well. I, I agree with Matt, that uh, I think this tier is five players deep. We'll see if it, we'll see if we agree on the five players. For what it's worth, I would have taken DJ Moore over Nick Chubb if if that was a choice. Matt got them both. Yeah, this is a tough call. I think I'm gonna take. Um, ooh, I think I'm gonna take Josh Allen here. I, I kind of regret it. I'm, I'm like Matt. What's I, the I, ooh? I, I got to know what the ooh meant. Not in the same tier for me. I move. I moved him down to the next one. So I'm glad you took him there. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, the ooh is is the same as Matt. I wanted to take your guy. I wanted to, to stick it to you, <laughs> Dan. Uh, but it, in the super flex format, I, I couldn't pull the trigger. Uh, we saw a, a couple big years from Josh Allen over the past two seasons. Uh, QB 22 after he took over as a rookie, uh, really flashed some high upside and, and basically continued that all of all of last year. QB eight for the season last year and. Uh, obviously some, some concerns. I mean, he's kind of, he's kind of been, uh, lumped in with Lamar Jackson because both of those guys have been, uh, their, throwing mechanics, the, just their general overall passing accuracy has been questioned, uh, and, and deservedly so honestly. Uh, but, but they both have that rushing upside <clears throat> and for Allen, that's, that's been a huge difference. They've given him some weapons. I'm, I'm interested to see, uh, if he turns into, a better passer, honestly, with, with Stefan Diggs there. Uh, but based on what he's done over the past two years and, and the super flex format, I'll go Josh Allen here. Matt, I got to hear why you moved Josh Allen down a little bit. I thought he fit in here after, after those top two, I had DJ Moore and, and, uh, Chubb fit in there. And then I thought Josh Allen fit, fit right here. So give me, give me your, uh, perspective on Allen and, and what you expect from him going forward. Yeah, I think if we, I mean, if we look at what he's done in in hindsight, and if we knew he had those first two seasons, I think he does fit in here. But there's some things that scare me about him. You know, career basically 56 percent passer. Uh, Lamar Jackson, someone who who he is compared to, like Ryan said, uh, almost 10 full percentage points in terms of completion percentage higher than him in his second year. So uh, I don't know. I just I, I I kind of feel like his 
accuracy problems are never going to get fixed and maybe that doesn't matter for fantasy I guess you know we're really looking at those those rushing numbers to, to help boost him up but those those issues going forward you know maybe the coaching staff gets gets tired of of uh, of the turnovers and the low accuracy so uh, they drafted Drake Fromm who I don't necessarily think is is a, a threat to him at least in 2020 for sure but you know he's one of those more extension of the coach kind of quarterbacks and if they just get tired of of uh, of Allen's issues then you know it'd be interesting to see if they would make a move to somebody like Fromm, who's such a different quarterback than Allen. so just a little bit less confident in him in terms of his job security in the future I guess yeah I think all those are are fair uh red flags I guess things to think about as you look at him going forward uh for the record if I had the fifth pick I would have taken Josh Allen at number six I'm gonna go with my guy you guys (laughs) let me have him and I appreciate it hat tip to you uh I'm gonna take Calvin Ridley um man just just everything I liked about him coming out uh, of Alabama is what he's done to this point. One of the sharpest route runners at the top of his route in the league. Uh, he can get open, then he can do something with the football after he gets the ball in his hands. Had his season cut short just a little bit last season, and I think that maybe created a short window of opportunity because people are looking at his stat line as a rookie. He caught 64 balls for 821 yards and 10 touchdowns in his second year, 63 for 866 and seven touchdowns. So almost identical. And, but it was in a couple less games. Um, It seems like the hype train is getting, is picking up with, with Ridley Uh, that, that buying window certainly slammed shut uh, earlier this off season there's a lot of momentum going forward, guys, that, that maybe this is the year that Ridley overtakes Julio Jones in ADP and, and maybe even maybe even production. Who knows? He's going to have the opportunity to be on the field 95% of the time, uh, move around the formation. I think that Atlanta coaching staff and Matt Ryan is, are going to use him to his full p- potential. I expect him to have a huge season. And you were right, Matt. He's very close to DJ Moore. Yeah, uh, I, I it was definitely a consideration there. Just like a hair difference uh, in my rankings, I think there's maybe two or three players separating them, but it's it's real close between those two. Uh, I think I'm back up for two picks here. And, Actually, no. Oh no, I, I, I skipped Ryan because I was really excited to make a. pick <laughs> You skipped my second pick too. I, <laughs> oh yeah, I Never paused. Mind. Just for... kidding. <laughs> you skipped a lot there, man. Yeah, you know, um, I was excited to get two of these these next two players. So. <laughs> I bet you were. It's not <laughs> happening. Uh, I mean, one thing just just jumping out to me already, and and we've talked about over the past couple of episodes some of those bust in the first round, and and this draft class certainly had those. Uh, I mean, we can throw out some names because I don't think they'll get drafted. Josh Rosen was a top ten pick in this draft. Uh, Rashad Penny, Sony Sony Michelle certainly could get drafted in in this exercise they were late first rounders uh, but so far of the the six players we've taken uh, all of them have been top 35 picks we've got five first rounders and and Nick Chubb at the top of the second round so um, we talk about dynasty players becoming better drafters over the years uh, maybe the NFL's doing a better job too yeah, that's a good point. And to your point, Ryan, a lot of these players are the guys we were picking in the first round of our dynasty rookie drafts back in 2018. Uh, of course, there was the news about Lamar Jackson and how he was going to wait, and there was there's some intrigue with where he how far he would fall, even in a super flex league. Uh, same with Josh Allen as well. 
But for the most part, these guys were were top picks uh, in these super flex rookie drafts. I'm back on the clock at seven, and I might be um, maybe I'm taking this guy a little little higher than you guys, but I'm I'm going with Mark Andrews, and you know, really, it's the onesie position. It it's a lot of what we talked about with Lamar Jackson and with Josh Allen that in these positions to get to get some kind of uh, advantage. It's worth moving him up your rankings just a little bit. I know there's a couple of quarterbacks still on the board, guys that are worthy of being picked. Uh, it's it's a tough decision for me, but I'm going to go with Mark Andrews. He's attached to that offense, which we expect to be really, really good uh, moving forward. Andrews, of course, had that break breakout season in his second year, the number three tight end in fantasy last year. I think he's widely considered the third guy in dynasty circles. So... Andrews, who slid in rookie drafts uh, a couple of years ago, all the way down to the bottom of the third round, uh, 32 according to our ADP, he's going to go at number seven overall. Yeah, that was the next guy for me, Dan. I don't think you reached at all. Oh, okay, good. (laughs) No, I I agree. I don't don't think so either. I think... And I think that's the end of the tier. Uh, we know we know Matt disagrees slightly. We'll see if he, if he gets his guy. Um, I mean, to me, I see several wide receivers and a couple quarterbacks kind of lumped in this next group. Uh, this this would be a spot if this were an actual draft. I would be trying to trade down. I, I don't pro- love the value at this pick. I'd probably trade up with you, Ryan. All right, I'm going to see if I can steal your guy then. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to go with the next guy on my list. I'll, I'll take Cortland Sutton here. Um, another one of these high draft picks, uh, top 40 pick overall that year, uh, has has certainly flashed uh, over his uh, two seasons with the Broncos and uh, a little bit as a rookie, got some opportunity uh, after some injuries. And, and then last year elevated to the wide receiver 19 overall. Um you know, honestly, in the short term, uh, if we're talking redraft or if we're just talking win now dynasty teams, uh, I'm I'm a little concerned with Cortland Sutton with that uh, that offense, Drew Locke. Uh, even even though the Broncos won when Drew Locke was starting last year, I think they were uh, four and four and one, three and one, maybe. Um, Sutton did not play well or, or did not was not targeted. In fact. Um, Locke was really lo- was really locked in. Was really focused on Noah Fant uh, in in the games he played. So, um, and that's that's not even to factor in Jerry Judy and KJ Hamler and all the moves that the Broncos have made. So, I don't think Cortland Sutton is is a slam dunk in the short term. I do still like him over the long term, and and I'll take him him here at uh, eight overall, I believe. You know, I like Sutton. I've I've been a fan of him throughout his career, and you you highlighted the maybe the concerns of dynasty owners everywhere right now, Ryan. You see Sutton if you keep an eye on redraft ADP, he's starting to slip down just a little bit, maybe even below some of these other receivers that are in this class. But I couldn't agree with you more. His long term upside, he's still dripping with it. If he's in the right situation, it's obvious that he can be a big playmaker for your dynasty roster. Matt, you're up at nine. I don't think Ryan got your guy. 
No, he did. He did. No, Ch- Ch- uh, oh, okay. Sutton was the last guy in that tier, and I and I don't think in, in general I've been on as high on Sutton as as others in the community, and maybe even you guys, uh, mostly because of that quarterback situation. Uh, however, I do think that even even though we did add Jerry Judy to that team, I, I think it probably caps his upside a little bit. But in general, I'm on on the side of things where if you make the whole team better then the player is going to be better too so maybe he'll see better better coverage you know that kind of thing he won't get see quite as many double teams he's not the only guy in town uh he out targeted uh Noah Fant last year 120 something to 66 I think uh when I wrote that uh, Noah Fant article so he seems to still be the alpha there I think there is a chance that Judy catches him um, I don't think he's going to eclipse him in targets in year one um, but there's a chance that you know he he, he kind of just caps the upside of, of Sutton but maybe maybe increases the floor a little bit so he was the last guy in that second tier for me um, I think you could throw the guy I'm going to take into that tier as well but I had him just a notch below uh, quarterback Baker Mayfield uh, rookie season obviously he was the number one pick overall and you know, he showed flashes as rookie season and then heading into year two once they added o- Odell Beckham. Uh, I-, I think I-, I might even been in the camp that moved him up into the maybe even number one quarterback in Dynasty at that point. Uh, maybe top three, I can't remember exactly. But, you know, all the hype entering the 2019 season with Cleveland and what they were doing with that team and that offense, it, it seemed like it was just impossible for the team to really live up to what the expectations we had were. And, of course, they, they disappointed a little bit, and Baker was, was a big part of that. But heading into – Heading into 2020, new coach, new system, quarterback-friendly system with, with, with Stefanski there. Uh, I'm optimistic. I think he's going to bounce back a little bit, maybe not reach those lofty expectations that we had of him, but you know, settle around as a mid-to-late quarterback one, uh, as a dynasty quarterback asset in a super flex uh, format that's pretty valuable. So Baker with my first pick there. And then this next pick is pretty difficult there's there's a whole tier of players here now that now that we're there um and i'm just gonna i'm gonna man there's 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 a lot of good picks here but i'm gonna go back to to wide receiver and somebody who completely flipped the script on his career i think from his rookie season dj chark who i was not a fan coming out of lsu kind of a straight line speed guy i thought that the hands weren't the best and was never really going to materialize that talent at the nfl level and that after the rookie season, I felt pretty good about that. Then all of a sudden in year two, comes out in week one and four catches for 146 yards and a touchdown uh, and just kind of maybe I'm uh, uh, embellishing a little bit here. But in terms of like a year one to year turnaround, turnaround player, just the way they've changed uh, their, their, their abilities, at least in our perception, our, our minds, like I don't think there is one in my dynasty career uh, as big as DJ Chark. Just looked like a completely different player in year two. Uh, the first half of his 2019 season was extremely impressive, then of course fell off in the, in the second half. I do have a little bit of concern just because he plays for Jacksonville, and I don't have a whole lot of trust in that organization, but it seems like at least for now they've settled on their quarterback in Gardner Minshew, and uh, you know a little bit of chemistry there. So looking forward to see what Chark does in year three three and uh, I think he's unquestionably the the wide receiver one there especially if LaVisca Chenault who they drafted in 2020 uh, cannot stay healthy which has been a big issue for him in his career so DJ Chark and Baker Mayfield at this turn for me yeah I I love the Chark pick Uh, I I was debating him versus Sutton and uh, the more I look at at some of the numbers I'm wondering why we see the gap between them in, in Dynasty ADP and rankings I think I think a case can be made. Chark should maybe be more valuable than Cortland Sutton. So uh, I like that pick. I was I was torn on those guys, and and certainly considered Baker Mayfield as well. 
Yeah, I actually had Chark above Sutton in my rankings. That's why I asked Matt if he got his guy, because I kind of figured maybe you had Chark ahead of him as well. You got a couple of good players there, Matt, at 9 and 10. Ryan, you're back on the clock with your last pick of the first round at number 11. I'm going to follow the pattern uh, that Matt set with Baker Mayfield uh, and, and go with Sam Darnold here. Uh, haven't seen a, a the production we would have hoped necessarily, just quarterback 26 and quarterback 27 through his first two years. But I, I still think there's some upside there and, and certainly some hope for the future. Uh, that I mean, that Jets team is... <laughs> is really a mess right now. Uh, they did bring in some, some wide receiver help, uh, but not necessarily anybody we're, we're super excited about. Uh, Brashad Perriman, uh, Denzel Mims could certainly be nice for, for Darnold. Uh, but I, I still think he is, is definitely a valuable uh, Superflex dynasty asset and kind of thinking, looking at, at him versus some of the other players available. If, if I had those in my dynasty super flex leagues i think i would prefer darnold so that was ultimately uh what what led me that way you can't play with gase forever right come on <laughs> one more year <laughs> that's, yeah. that's, that's the hope <laughs> unfortunately if he gets that one year and he doesn't do enough with it he he might have to work for another opportunity and take the ryan Tannehill route to uh finding his value once again which which Tannehill has recovered uh at least most of that value I think now is the time to buy Darnold, though, in Superflex. You know, if he does somehow overcome Gase in this COVID situation, his value is nowhere to go but up. So, uh, I mean, there's a chance it bottoms out anymore, uh, even more, but it seems like it's so low right now that now is when I would want to buy. Yeah, yeah, no more mono, too. We can't yeah. have mono. Yeah, no more kiss. Yeah, Stop yeah. kissing. Stop kissing girls, yeah. Sam. <laughs> Get on the field, bud. All right, I got the last pick in the first round, fellas, and – Ryan, you sniped me there. I was going to go Darnold for sure. I thought he for sure fit in these top 12 picks. I'll have to pivot to another position. However, I'm going to go with Michael Gallup. Kind of along the same lines of the wide receivers you guys have taken over the last handful of picks. Cortland Sutton and, and DJ Chark. The, maybe the poor man's version of those guys because of the situation he's in in Dallas right now. They're Similar to what you were saying, Ryan, about... Uh, about Cortland Sutton and, and just there's so many options there. That's a that's a better offense that has a better quarterback. But because they're going to spread the ball around to so many skill players in Dallas, Michael Gallup is looked at through a lot of different lenses for dynasty owners. It's unknown uh, exactly what his role is going to be. If CeeDee Lamb will carve into it at all, if he'll remain that second option in the passing game, and if the tight end will will uh, will take any of those targets that were left behind when Jason Witten uh, uh, left Dallas as well. So while there are those question marks with Michael Gallup, I think he proved, especially in his second season, that that he belongs, that he is a nice complement to a number one receiver like Amari Cooper. And while he, he might be in the shadow of Cooper in 2021 or 2020 and 2021, he's going to get out of Dallas. He'll be out of that shadow at some point. And and dynasty owners, I think, should should feel good about his upside once he gets that opportunity. Yeah, I really like the Gallup pick. Again, looking at some of the, the data and the numbers that we have, just uh, how these players have uh, performed, how these players have been valued. Uh, Cortland Sutton, as I mentioned earlier, was, was wide receiver 19 this past year. Michael Gallup was wide receiver 24, just, just pretty close behind, obviously. 
Uh, Sutton, a top 12 scorer in 9% of his games. Gallup in 10% of his career games. So, uh, again, this is a case. Maybe, maybe I just don't like Cortland Sutton very much, but this is this is a <laughs> yeah, case where. Uh, yeah, can I, I need that one back. Uh, Matt, you can have him. Definitely uh, should have traded down, I guess. <laughs> For sure. But this this is another case where we see a, a large value gap between Sutton and Michael Gallup. And, and I get it. It's it's a, uh, largely due to what you just outlined there with the addition of C.D. Lamb and uh, really not certainly not a clear path and, and maybe not much of an opportunity at all to be the wide receiver one for his team like Sutton has. Uh, so so I get I get Sutton being valued higher, but maybe not as much as as we've seen. So I think we nailed the top 12 in this draft class, fellas. Those were the 12 that I had listed uh, at the top of my draft board. Let's recap round one before we move on to round two. It went Lamar Jackson, then Saquon Barkley, Nick Chubb, DJ Moore, and Josh Allen was at number five. He was followed up by Kelvin Ridley, Mark Andrews, Cortland Sutton, Baker Mayfield, DJ Chark, Sam Darnold, and Michael Gallup. If you had the top 12 picks in the 2018 draft and that was your team right now, you are in pretty good shape. Uh, Before we get to round two, guys, let's talk about our friends over at Monkey Knife Fight. They are the fastest-growing daily fantasy sports site on the planet, and Monkey Knife Fight is giving you free money and free dynasty football content with your initial deposit. Open a new account with a minimum of ten dollars. That deposit at Monkey Knife Fight will give you will will you will receive a free DynastyLeagueFootball.com annual premium membership. This offer isn't just for new accounts either. It will extend your current DLF annual membership by one year if you already have one. Monkey Knife Fight will also match your initial deposit amount doubling your bankroll up to a maximum of $50. They feature football, baseball, basketball, hockey, golf, UFC, eSports, prop bets, and so much more. You'll find plenty of entertaining contest options even in these uncertain times. Monkey Knife Fight provides DFS games with no salary caps, so you correctly predict the outcome you are going to win. And there are no sharks, no professionals to prevent you from claiming your prize over at Monkey Knife Fight. You will not get algorithmed by the top 1% who dominate those other DFS sites. Check out the new and improved DFS and prop bet experience and claim your deposit match and your free DLF membership over at monkeyknifefight.com. So I'm up to lead off round two. And like I said before, guys, I think we... We nailed the top 12, and then, then there are a few guys worth considering at the top and maybe the uh, of round two, and, the, and then maybe it dips down just a little bit. I'm going to dip back into the tight end market. I'm going to take Dallas Goddard right here. Uh, really nice start to his career. We, we all know that uh, the story of, of rookie tight ends and how they how they take a while to, to, to get off the mat and get started in their career. 33 catches for 334 yards and four touchdowns. As a rookie, followed that up last season with 58 catches for 607 yards and five touchdowns. He does this all despite having Zach Ertz on the roster. I know there are a few out there that are concerned about the additions uh, at wide receiver in Philadelphia. If that will continue to 
really stunt Dallas Goddard's production in that offense. I'm not all that concerned. It seems like everything coming out of Philadelphia, fellas, is is positive news when it comes to Goddard. That coaching staff loves him. They're finding ways to get him on the field. A lot of times they're flex. They're bringing these two tight end sets onto the field, flexing Ertz out into the slot, and then using Goddard as their inline option. Uh, he's just such a such a force in the red zone. I expect those tight end numbers to or, or those touchdown numbers to go up, even if the catches don't necessarily. The targets are still going to be there for Goddard, even with those additions on the outside in Philadelphia. I really like Goddard and and really like my teams that have him, especially as a second tight end uh, on my roster. So I'll go with Goddard at thirteen, and that puts you back on the clock at fourteen, Ryan. Yeah, this one uh I think I'm I'm going away from my own rankings as I look at look at some of the players available here. I think again we said we're mixing uh what we've already seen in these two seasons with uh, what we expect to happen in the future. I'm going to I'm going to lean on the the first part of that and I think this is the right place to go with Philip Lindsay. Uh we've seen a uh running back 13 season from him as a rookie, followed that up with a running back 19 season. Uh, at this point, it's certainly fair to think we've probably seen the best of what he's going to give us uh, in his career with the addition of Melvin Gordon. Uh, the Broncos are, are, I wouldn't say they're trying to go a different direction, but at least looking to, to mix it up and uh, obviously add some competition for Lindsey. But I think he still has a role, and uh, I think if you drafted him early in the second round, which certainly wasn't the case, he was he was undrafted in the NFL and in uh, almost every rookie draft. Uh, but if you drafted him at the top of the second round and, and you got RB13 and RB19, you'd be pretty satisfied. I like the Lindsey pick there for sure, Ryan. In fact, he was the guy I was considering at 13. Him and Dallas Goddard were the, were the two names, so I think he, you, you nailed the pick. For sure. Matt, you got a couple picks here, and it seems like there's maybe a tear break inside of these picks. Yeah, um, Ryan, that, that one hurt. I thought I was going to slip Lindsay here uh, just a little bit more <laughs> more about him. Uh, as an undrafted free 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 agent that started his career with 2,000-yard seasons, uh, I'm not sure if any other running back has done it off the top of my head. But the two that I thought about looking up to, to see if they had, Arian Foster and Priest Holmes, uh, they didn't do it. Uh, of course, Arian Foster was hurt his, his rookie season. Then you know we know what he did after that 1,600 yards in the second season and followed that up with a bunch more 1,000-yard uh, seasons in his career, so Philip Lindsay's probably not going to reach that kind of upside, but very impressive, great player, uh, and I was hoping to get him here. You know, I, I'm wondering, I'm wondering, Matt, the you know Ryan kind of outlined why dynasty owners are, are thinking maybe that that dips the production dips in year three, and, and of course Melvin Gordon being there and stuff. There's still a path to Philip Lindsay being a very nice. Uh, dynasty asset and and like a flex play type consideration in 2020 and maybe even beyond that his skill set is still something that we all kind of desire on our roster as a fourth or fifth running back on our team oh absolutely and I think that he has some untapped potential in the passing game too I think he's a very good receiver and you know maybe he doesn't get that because Melvin Gordon has turned into a very good receiver out of the backfield too but you know his first two seasons I thought that's where he was going to gain a lot of his value and he did have 35 catches in each of his first two seasons but I I think there's even more upside on top of that if they chose to use him that way so still somebody I, I am interested in acquiring my dynasty leagues and if you can find somebody that thinks he's dead in the water because of melvin gordon then absolutely i would go after uh, an attempt to, to add him to my roster 
Um, all right, so I'll go back to the receiver position, and I will take Christian Kirk uh, for the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, we had you know, pretty high expectations with him in year one of the Cliff Kingsbury offense uh, and didn't quite necessarily get there, did, did, did miss a few games as he did in his rookie season as well. Um, you know, profiles as, as that kind of slot receiver, but, you know, he, he was forced to move outside a little bit with, with Larry Fitzgerald kind of taking over that, and now we have have uh, a DeAndre Hopkins there as well. So he may never hit that upside that we thought he might uh, as we, when we were drafting him as rookies. But, you know, it, I think that also means that he's going to get some pretty nice coverage in, in year three here. So there's a chance, uh, you know, we, it's been a while since we've seen a team support three 1,000-yard receivers. I'm not necessarily thinking that's going to happen in 2020, uh, especially in a potentially shortened season. But Christian Kirk, I think he's, a, he's, he's primed to have a, a good 2020 with Hopkins there now taking, you know, the the bulk of the defensive uh, attention. So Christian Kirk with my first pick and the next one, you're right. There's a tear break here. I think there's a pretty big tear break between Kirk and the rest of these guys. Uh, and it's difficult to choose. I, I have two that I'm thinking about, but I'm going to go uh, with the tight end, Mike Gusecki. Uh We know about his testing uh, at, at the combine. One of the most athletic t- t- uh, tight ends at the combine in NFL history, maybe even second behind Vernon Davis years ago. I, I think that that comes to mind. Um, just certainly disappointed in his rookie season, but all tight ends do. And then last season, especially over the second half, uh, really kind of started to come on. And maybe that was because there was really only Devontae Parker and, and nobody else in that passing game. But uh, I kind of like him going forward, as a, especially as a late-round tight end option if you've decided not to go with one of those, those top guys uh, like Mark Andrews we talked about earlier uh, in this particular draft class. So there's a lot of upside there and still, you know, not – not overwhelming receiving options there. Devontae Parker, of course, is back, and Preston Williams we have high high hopes for. Uh, but otherwise, uh, not much there. So hopefully Gusecki continues to as his upward trajectory, and I think he's a fine pick here in the middle of the second round. Yeah, I like that pick for sure. He was the obvious choice in my opinion. Ryan, you're back on the clock at 205. Who you got here? Yeah, Matt's, Matt's made me do something I didn't want to do. I'm going to take Ronald Jones here. <laughs> uh, second Second round pick, uh, I think we're all disappointed with his rookie season because due to the competition there in Tampa Bay, uh, many expected him to to come in and and take over right away. And of course, that didn't happen. But I I do think he was a lot better last year than he's being given credit for. He was RB25 overall. Um, He's he's been a top 12 scorer in 12% of his uh, games, uh, top 24 scorer in 17%. So... I mean, he, he gets a lot of gets a lot of hate in the fantasy community, uh, but I, I do think he's been a little better than than you might think when you really dig into the numbers. And I'm definitely not scared of of Keyshawn Vaughn or, or Lashawn McCoy when you look at what the next couple of years might be for Rojo. Yeah, I don't mind that pick. We talked about that tear break, and I thought maybe it was after the 203 with Christian Kirk, but then oh yeah, Mike. Mc- Kiseki, he fits for sure, and then oh boy, Ronald Jones, and now now I feel like I'm I'm stretching maybe a little bit more. I have a couple picks in the middle of round two, and there's a few considerations, but I'm gonna I'm gonna look more towards the future with both of these picks, not necessarily lean on what these two players have done over their first two seasons in the NFL. I'm gonna start it off with Anthony Miller of the Chicago Bears, and and maybe this is a few picks before some of you guys might select him but he's shown already in his young career his upside he's played with 
with relatively poor quarterback play. In his rookie season, he caught 33 passes. Seven of them were for touchdowns. A little bit of big play potential with Anthony Miller. It's untapped in Chicago because of the lack of lack of quality quarterback play. I'm not sure, guys, if that's going to even change <laughs> over the next couple of years uh, with Foles and Trubisky still in the fold there in Chicago. His second season, hampered down by injuries, still caught 52 passes in 2019 for 656 yards and two touchdowns. Anthony Miller is going to be the pick at 206. Matt, I'd love to hear your thoughts uh, just because I'm not sure if this is where he belongs. I don't mind it at all. He wasn't going to be my next pick, but I think the rest of these guys we can honestly throw probably into a similar, if not exactly the same tier. So, uh, yeah, I, I like it. I like his upside. Uh, Allen Robinson, obviously the alpha there, but if they can get some better quarterback play, which is certainly up in the air with Foles, uh, I'm not sure if that's necessarily a huge upgrade over over Trubisky, but um, you know, if he can distribute the ball, then I think Miller certainly has the upside, as has shown those 100-yard those games when he gets the opportunity to do so, and he just needs to stay healthy and get that opportunity, so I don't mind that pick at all. Yeah, I just... You know, I, I'm looking at the production of some of these other players and the maybe the lack of upside despite the production, and I just can't get on board with taking them. Uh, looking at the projecting them going forward, it feels like I'd rather have Anthony Miller than some of these other guys. I was going to take another guy just like him, uh, somebody with with some more upside, but I think I'm going to pivot back to a young running back that has has had some productive games, no doubt but has been riddled by injuries, that's on Johnson. Ooh. Uh, it's it's really, it's kind of like Ronald Jones. I do not want to take on Johnson. He's not necessarily a guy that I'm building around. Um, in fact, I've only o- ever owned him one time in Dynasty, and it was this year, and it was you, Matt, that suggested, hey, on Johnson, his name kind of sticks out to me, so we went with it. I immediately regretted it. I'm probably going to regret it right here. Oh. I guess I'll go with Carrion Johnson over the upside of anybody else. I don't. I don't know if you'll regret it. I mean, it doesn't look great based on his injury history and availability in the in the in the his first two seasons in the league, and now DeAndre Swift is there, obviously. So that doesn't seem great. But maybe that's what he needs. Maybe he needs a one A one B kind of situation to so that he can, you know, they can limit his touches and and he can be productive on those touches because he looks good when he's on the field. It's just a question of staying on the field. And we have, you know, you know the 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 history of, of the NFL and fantasy football is just riddled with guys that have had trouble staying healthy earlier in their career. Remember, let's go way back. Frank Gore, remember when he first started in the league and a couple of seasons right off the bat with just, just injured all over the place. And now he's turned into one of the, the workhorses in the NFL, still playing at, at 37 years old. So, uh, you know, we can go uh, back to remember, remember Fred, Fred Taylor. His name was Fragile Freddie. And then all of a sudden he wasn't, he wasn't fragile anymore. Even just a few years ago when nobody wanted to draft in Keenan Allen because he couldn't stay healthy, right? I remember having endless debates with our former coach host Nick Whalen about about Keenan Allen and now he hasn't missed a game in two seasons I believe so uh the same could be true for carry on you never know it could be and you know the situation there is probably bleak uh for most of us as dynasty owners guys that have them on a roster just because of DeAndre Swift and and really this entire situation in Detroit they haven't had 
uh, a top half of the league rushing attack since Barry Sanders was in that backfield. So nothing there points to carry on Johnson having immediate value. I hope, I hope he gets it figured out this whole injury thing, because like I said before, when he has been on the field, there has been sparks, there has been production and, and there's things that dynasty owners really like to have on their roster there with carry on Johnson. It's just that we haven't seen enough of it through his first two seasons. Ryan, you're back on the clock at two Oh eight. Yeah, kind of like you were saying uh, earlier there, Dan, This at, at this point in the draft, I think of all these draft exercises that we've done, this this is where it gets uh, the toughest, that all the players in these in, in this last seven or eight picks are, are all just kind of clumped together for me. I'm going to take the next guy uh, on my board, Ian Thomas, uh, the Panthers tight end, was a fourth-round pick uh, back in 2018. Uh, had a really strong rookie year as as Greg Olson dealt with some injuries, was the tight end 24, um, and, and took a little step back last year with Olson back and fully healthy. But now that uh, now that Olson is gone, I expect, and, and it sounds like the Panthers expect Thomas to step into that full-time starter role, and, uh, and, and I think he can be uh, pushing a, a tight end one, both in, in dynasty value and production. Yeah, I like that pick for sure. That was the way I was going to go after my Anthony Miller selection and, and scared off and took carry on Johnson. So nice pick for sure. Matt, you got a couple, your last two picks of the exercise. Yeah, I feel like this is the area where I should consider Sony Michelle, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I think there's an argument that, you know, there's this is going to be a run heavy attack in 2020 and, and he should see the volume of that. But he's already he's already been hurt again. And I just I don't know. I, I can't do it. He's just I just don't think he's ever going to become the player that we maybe thought he was coming out of Georgia. They haven't used them as a receiver in the NFL, despite being a very good receiver in college. In fact, that was one of the arguments, if I remember correctly, of, of people wanting to boost him above Nick Chubb. Uh, I never got there, but uh, I'm still not going to take him here. I am going to take another pass catching back, though, uh, who, you know, had, had a good rookie season, not a great sophomore season, but with Phillip Rivers in town, I think that Naheem Hines, uh, you know, he could be a very good receiving back, not necessarily maybe the James White level, but 107 receptions total in his first two seasons, 81 targets, 63 catches as a rookie, down to 44 receptions in his second season. Uh, but uh, just a dynamic playmaker, if, if, if he can just find the opportunity, is very crowded there, obviously, with, with John. Jonathan Taylor and Marlon Mack, but I think he's probably the still the best receiver in the backfield. Uh, and Philip Rivers, the, the narrative is that he loves to throw to his running backs, and that's played out throughout his career. So whether it was Ladanian Tomlinson or Melvin Gordon or Austin Eckler last year, he he likes throwing to his running back. Maybe that continues. Maybe it doesn't. I think it will. Uh, it's just an oppor- just just kind of a question if Naheem Hines is going to get that time on the field. Uh, 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 in addition to those two guys ahead of him, so he's my first pick there. And next one, I'll take James Washington. Washington. He was my favorite wide receiver in this class in the pre, pre-draft process. Just his ability to get vertical and stack defenders uh, was very attractive. He's like a running back when he has the ball in his hands. And last season, he was, I know it was a very difficult season for the Steelers with, with Duck Hodges and, and Mason Rudolph there, but he actually led the team in receiving yards this year, and he's being kind of left for dead in dynasty circles. Deontay T- Johnson has passed him, and of course, Juju at the top. So uh, I still think there's a chance that he's a better player than Deontay Johnson on the outside, especially with the Juju is going to go back to the slot and leave Deontay hanging out there on the outside. Um, so James Washington, I, st- I still like him. And I'm going to take him here with my last pick of this exercise. I love the James Washington pick. I, uh, I would echo a lot of what Dan said about Anthony Miller. 
that's uh, James Washington's kind of my version of that. He's the yeah. he's the guy I really expect to take a step forward uh, this year, and and definitely hope we get to see that. So uh, that probably would have been my next pick. Though again, I think these guys are really really in here tight together. Um, I will instead go with another tight end. I'll go with Chris Herndon. Oh, wow. um, my, much like uh, much like Ian Thomas had some success as a rookie, tight end 16 overall, and then last year dealt with both a suspension and uh, basically a season-ending injury. So I think we only really only got one game from him, I believe. But uh, that that upside that he showed as a rookie is enough to make him my pick here. Yeah, I had Chris Herndon in my top 24 as well, and you guys have forced me to take the last player on my list, and that is Sony Michelle. Uh, despite what everything, everything really that Matt said there, which is all true, still running back 34 as a rookie, running back 31 in his second season, there is a little bit of third-year upside for, for maybe a flex-worthy, maybe he gets into the running back two type conversation uh, if everything kind of breaks his way. He got high as, as high as 15, according to our ADP at the position uh, at running back. So um, there, there have been times when he's had value. It doesn't seem like if you've owned him, there's ever been a time where you could, you could have sold him for what his ADP suggested. And that certainly isn't the case even right now. But Sony Michelle barely sneaks into this two-round exercise. Interested. Ryan, did you have him in your top 24? I had Sony at 23 overall. The only player I had ahead of him that did not get drafted is yet another tight end, Hayden Hurst. Yeah, I was a little surprised that nobody took Hurst. He was a consideration for me, but I thought one of you two guys would take him. Obviously, he didn't do anything as, while in Baltimore, really. But, you know, I think in in Atlanta, in a pass-heavy offense, it, he's probably not going to get quite to Austin Hooper levels of the last two seasons. But, you know, I think he's going to be in that range as the third receiving option. So maybe we maybe we missed a little bit on him. Maybe we should have taken him. I think, you know, thinking back, we should have because I had him in my top 24 as well. I had him at 24 right Me behind too. Sony Michelle, and and I would have – I should have taken him really there uh, <laughs> because, because of the down, upside Dan. going you forward. Let, let so we all, we all made mistake, make mistakes. <laughs> Luckily, this is just a mock draft. Other guys that we failed, I guess, to uh, to draft or could were available to us at least – Rashad Penny, who was a first-round pick and hasn't done anything in Seattle. Dante Pettis, one out. who has has had, uh, had a little surge in his career, but that seems to be over. Other guys in this class include Royce Freeman. Will Disley could have been uh, in the third round of a draft like this. Chase Edmonds still has a little bit of upside. A couple of Packers receivers, Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Equinemia St. Brown. And then maybe uh, Alan Lazard as well. Uh, and then finally, maybe Boston Scott. He's got a little bit Chase of long Edmonds. term or, or twenty. I yeah, I did mention Chase. Oh. Uh, so there's a there's a handful of players that we could have gone into the third round. Luckily, we didn't have to. My regret. This is the second week in a row. I should have drafted somebody at the end and, and failed <laughs> to do it. Hayden Hurst. Oh. Anything we learned from this episode, Matt? Twenty eighteen class not as good as twenty seventeen, but pretty darn good. Ryan. Yeah, yeah, really good. And uh, the tight ends kept popping up. So we did look at 2017 as as the real difference maker at the tight end position. At least we thought that's what would happen with O.J. Howard and David Njoku and, and uh, Evan Ingram. Of course, we got George Kittle from that class. 
but lots lots of strong tight ends in this group as well. Uh, that's one thing that stood out to me, and and I do think uh, we Matt kind of alluded to it earlier in the show. I, I think it's probably worth having a Darius Geis conversation uh, since he's been in the news. Uh, I I didn't think he would get drafted in this uh, in this d- draft do over, and 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 definitely and he didn't as deserved. Um, I mean, what would be your all's recommendation to dynasty players i mean is he a drop do we ever see him in the nfl again i don't think we see him in the nfl again but that doesn't mean he's a drop just yet um hopefully uh, hopefully for everybody's sake in this whole situation something positive comes out of it and that maybe it's not as bad as it seems initially uh and maybe there's a second opportunity i wouldn't bet on it and pretty much if if you're in a if you're in a relatively shallow league, you probably have to drop him. Otherwise, if it's deep enough, you try to hold on as long as you can in case there's there's some new news. Yeah, I wrote up the instant analysis on on uh, Darius Geis, and my recommendation was I, I can't spend more than a third-round pick. I do think somebody might claim him off of waivers. I think that happens later today. We're recording on a Sunday, on Sunday, August 9th. I think at four o'clock p.m. Eastern time, uh, he has to be claimed, or he goes uh, into the free agent pool. I think somebody might might take a chance on him. It is a little bit scary. I don't think I could spend more than a third round pick to acquire him at this point. Just he has so much risk on both sides, right? We, of course, the injury risk over the last two seasons, and now he has off the field risk as well. But you know, the the upside is still there. I, I guess I would wonder for you guys if we, if the news that broke on on Friday, if that didn't happen, where would we have taken him in this exercise? For me, I think he would be somewhere in that early to to mid-second in that Kirk, Gusecki, Jones area uh, where we drafted him? What, what about for you guys? Would you have taken him in there if we were only really dealing with the injury risk and not the off-the-field stuff? I think if that you know hadn't taken place, I think he would have been drafted. Uh, I think he was a player that was still viewed prior to the news of, of this past week. I think he was still viewed as a player with upside. Uh, I mean, he still had a, he, he still had a relatively high ADP, considering he's he's done almost nothing through two two seasons but yeah i mean it would have been it would have been in that later second round range and and obviously now i mean you said a third round pick i late third I would i'll go with late third i'll go with late third <laughs> i i would probably just outright drop him if okay. i had him on my roster i i would take a late third in a heartbeat for- oh yeah for Darius guys, really anything you can get. I guess the the thing that's in the back of my mind, of course, it's a completely different situation because we know that Tyreek Hill was already an elite asset, but this time last year, or maybe not, maybe it was a little bit earlier than this time last year. You know, June, July, when we had those potential legal issues with Tyreek Hill and and and, and dynasty managers that that took a chance and bought him at that time as everybody was kind of trying to offload him they they made out and guys again we haven't seen him be good even at the nfl level at all so um different situation but i think there is a chance to make a little bit of dynasty cash if it will if if he was to be picked up by another team yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out for sure. Guys, we have another one of these rookie draft do-overs next week. We're going to get into the 2019 class full of a lot of hot prospects, a lot of guys that we're, we're excited about having on our rosters. For Ryan and Matt, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening to this episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. We'll catch you again next week.